So we've had a few comments on the podcast recently via the Podbean page. Did you know you can't respond to comments via the webpage? You have to use their app. Just sounds stupid. It is. Anyway, a few of those comments have been along the lines of first-time listener, very confused caller. I think we might have to do the old preliminaries again. Well, they could go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes. I mean, yes. But also, we're not the people we were seven years ago. No, not after the Bishago incident. Still not sure which version of M you are, and why Charlton Heston isn't listed as the 40th President of the Reunited States. Well, as you know, I can't say. Because of the mind control chip. Beep! So then, uh, the usual? The usual. Right. <clears throat> the good doctor... Now Professor... Yeah. M.R.X. Dentith, wrote their PhD on the philosophy of conspiracy theories and has two books, The Philosophy of Conspiracy Theories and Taking Conspiracy Theories Seriously. Whilst Josh Addison, Nee Addison, like Zayford Beeblebrox, is just some guy, you know? Mm. Thus proving Scientologists to be right. Now Douglas Adams really did have his finger on the zeitgeist. Anyway, on this podcast, we take it that all a conspiracy theory is, is an explanation of an event which cites a conspiracy as a salient cause. Conspiracy theories are not inherently irrational or prima facie false. Rather, like any theory, they have to be assessed on the evidence for or against them. Now, this is known as the thesis of particularism and seems to become kind of the standard view in philosophy. Well, the standard view amongst philosophers who write on conspiracy theories. So, this podcast treats particular conspiracy theories as theories worth investigating to see if they should be taken seriously and believed. Although there are a lot of theories we do think are actually silly and will poke fun at, but only because we think there are adequate grounds to not take them seriously. Mm. We also have a broad understanding of what counts as the topic of a conspiracy theory. M likes, for example, to talk about how the organisation of a surprise birthday party is a conspiracy, and if they got all suspicious that their friends were arranging one, they'd be coming up with a conspiracy theory. Given no one has yet arranged that desired surprise birthday party, I'm beginning to think my suspicions are unwarranted. Or are they? Precisely. And sometimes, of course, we like to introduce each other to conspiracy theories we think the other has never heard of, in order to see what we think of them. For example, this week, Josh is going to tell me about... Uh, well, I'm going to see if you know about... The time your mother and I made sweet, sweet love under a moonlit sky while you were sleeping beside us. I was, you think you can fool me into revealing this week's What the Conspiracy Theory with this ruse? Shame on you. Shame. Shame. It was worth a try. So was your mum. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr M. Denton. and welcome to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy. I am Josh Addison here in Auckland, New Zealand and in Zhuhai, China. It's uh, Associate Professor of Philosophy and convicted kelp rustler, Dr. M. R. X. Dentith. Mm, I thought we were going to talk about that. You have to ask that. yourself, is, do I mean rustling in the sense of rustling cattle or rustling as in making a rustling noise by walking or swimming through it? Well, You'll never know. Well, I mean, I know and you know. The listeners, however will never know. Or will they? No. I mean, there was that rumour no. about those court proceedings down in the Waikato. Mm. Well, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Anyway, uh, enough, enough, enough speculation. It's a new week. 
Uh, nothing horrible happened to me last Friday night, so um, that's that's an improvement on uh, current events. Who sings the Friday night sing song last Friday night? Uh, Katy Perry. Katy Perry. All right. Yeah. So you're not living no. Kate, Katy Perry's ideal lifestyle. It's a sad fact, but yes, it's true. I'm not, not living Katy Perry's life. Do we have anything to say at the start of this episode? Wackiness is, is definitely afoot. We've got, uh, as, as we're recording, Russia appears to have just invaded Ukraine. So that's, that's something. Oh, well, uh, I believe technically Russia's calling it a peacekeeping mission. Although well, yes, they are. everyone else is going, that's not how peacekeeping works. No, that's when you roll into another country with lots and lots of tanks and guns and stuff. I mean, guess, I guess, I guess it might general. be a P-I-E-C-E keeping mission. Peacekeeping, we're going to take a piece of this and keep it. But mm. the actual nomenclature they're using of peace, P-E-A-C-E, no, not so much. And actually, and even now, I feel guilty about making a joke about peacekeeping, given actually just how bad things are in the Ukraine. Well, it's it's not good, and I expect in the coming weeks we'll probably have plenty to say about it. We'll, I think, we're going to mention it a little bit in the bonus episode this week, but um, maybe we best put it to side, put to one side for now. Um, now, I d- do I have a conspiracy theory for you? Yes. Yes, I do. Good. I feel as though I didn't need to be part of that particular part of the conversation. Mm. Um, So it's another What the Conspiracy episode, and it's my turn to to present something to M. Uh, So unless there's anything else we want to say right up the top, uh, shall we get straight into it? Indeed. Let's build the fortress around my heart. It's time to play What the Conspiracy. And then build a little birdhouse in your soul. Well, you mean I am your only friend. Mm, it's true. My, I can't remember how that bit of the start goes. doesn't matter. <coughs> I'm your only friend. I'm not your only friend, but I'm a little glowing friend. But really, I'm not actually your friend at all. I'm, I mean, I could sing the entire song if you really you, wanted I, me to. I, I know you could. But anyway, that's not what we're here for today. Today... I'm going to tell you about a conspiracy theory. Now we're going to do, uh, the, we'll do the, the, yeah, the three questions we've kind of been we'll do lax about doing. Yeah. yeah. No. So where do you think this the, the events of this uh, relating to this conspiracy theory occurred? Uh, when do you think they occurred? And what is it all about? What's your prediction? All right. I'm going where the moon. When oh. the 1860s. Mm-hmm. And what going to be about the fact that the sky isn't real. So it's going to be massive forgery slash hoaxery set in the, in the middle of the 19th century on the lunar surface or even beneath the moon. But it's going to be very definitely not moon adjacent. It's going to be moon centric. Well, I cannot tell you how disappointed I am in your answers just now, because I thought this one was going to be a given. The weir, you see, the weir is all over the world. So all you needed to do was pick a location anywhere on planet Earth and you would have been right. And yet, for once, you decided to go off-world. So let this be a lesson. Let this be a lesson to you. Oh, no, no, but it won't be a lesson because next time you're leading me into a trap of saying somewhere on Earth and it's going to be a Martian-based conspiracy theory of some kind. No, I've read your book, You Magnificent Bastard. Yes. Just not this particular book. I I promise nothing. Right, right, so when? Um, When? The when? uh, The when continues to this very day. 
Ah, but when, the what? When, actually, when did it start? I mean, was I right ah, about well, the 19th century, or does it go... Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, okay. Actually, I thought, I thought it might be fun to have a bit more of a guessing game at the start of this episode. I'll give you some more clues and see if you can tell me what this conspiracy theory is going to be about. So it's in the world of disease, the world of pandemic. Now, this, this pandemic that I'm thinking of that is going to be about, it started with an outbreak in Asia and has since spread all around the world in a series of waves causing millions of deaths. Now, the authorities tried to enact measures to slow the spread of this pandemic, but the science was a little inexact, at least at the beginning, and a lot of the measures were opposed by business interests. Um, and then people rebelled against the medical establishment and the state in their measures to control this pandemic, citing a bunch of conspiracy theories about the authorities' true motives and accusing doctors of being in the state's pocket. Uh, and as your final clue, this disease starts with the letter C. What am I talking about? Is it crapping? Did somehow crapping start in Asia and it's some kind of parasite in the bowel which wouldn't normally cause any issue for a human being, but due to some kind of mutation, forces human beings to remove excrement in kind of log-like or drippy structures? Is crapping somehow a disease? And for some reason, big business, particularly big plumbing, has been against the idea of doing anything about it because they've, they've managed to make so much money out of big crap. Uh, that would have made for a much more interesting episode, definitely, but that is not actually true, uh, although crapping plays a large part uh, in the spread of this disease. It's not going to be a waterborne um, disease with, with Jon Snow in London and all that rigmarole. That, that very disease. We're talking about cholera. That starts with C and that rhymes with T and that stands for trouble. Or the other I can't remember how the song goes. Anyway. Um, so yes, cholera. I'm going to talk about the cholera riots. Uh, of the 1800s, so you were actually you're actually pretty bang on uh, with the date, although the range is a fairly wide range. But um, so cholera, interesting disease. You've you've probably if if you've been listening heard people drawing equi uh, equivalence between the current COVID pandemic and the cholera epidemic um, epidemics of previous years. But uh, what I didn't know until I until I saw someone mention and looked into it was that the the sort of like we've we've got um, protests going on in New Zealand here at the moment. People have been camped out in front of Parliament House for over two weeks now, having got there sort of being inspired by the convoy that happened in Canada and so on. But um, uh, the anti cholera stuff got got quite hairy, as we will see. Um, so a quick a brief a brief history of cholera, just so we know where we're at. Um, Cholera as a disease has been around possibly for hundreds, possibly for thousands of years. There are reports from ancient Greece uh, of people describing diseases whose symptoms sound an awful lot like cholera as we experience it today. I mean, these days we're a bit, uh, a bit more precise, apparently. Cholera is defined as an infection caused by the uh, Vibrio cholerae bacterium, specifically, but diseases either caused by that particular bacterium or ones a lot like it have been around for a long time. But the actual worldwide pandemics didn't start until around the uh, 1800s. 
And then we had um, multiple sort of waves of pandemic throughout the 19th and 20th centuries. Um, so I've seen, I've seen seven as the number of, of waves of cholera pandemic there have been, although I don't know, it sounds like it must have been a bit of crossover. They'll sort of, they'll flare up and then the cases will die off and then a few years later there'll be another flare up. So apparently the first, first cholera pandemic, um, the dates they give are 1817 to 1824, um, it started in uh, the Bengal region near Kolkata and spread to India, China, Indonesia and got about as far west as the Caspian Sea, but no further into Europe from there. Although that said, uh, it was the 1800s, so British soldiers were everywhere. Um, so lots of British soldiers fighting abroad caught or died of cholera. So, so people were paying attention to it right from the start, even though it hadn't spread that widely. Um, and back then, the way pandemics tended to spread were via either trade or warfare. Those were the two main reasons for people to be traveling between countries a lot. Um, so uh, pilgrimages to and from the Ganges River were responsible for the initial spread in some of the cases, um, which worked out nicely for those of a more uh, racist slash imperialist bent, being able to, to blame India for the origin of it. Um, but as we'll see, it, it ended up going everywhere. The second pandemic, 1829 to 1837, cholera spread up to Russia and then to the rest of Europe. Uh, by the third pandemic, 1846 to 1860, it had reached the Americas and was basically a worldwide phenomenon since then. Uh, and there were um, subsequent waves. Apparently Russia tended to get particularly hard, hit particularly hard as these waves came along. And then the, the seventh and latest pandemic, Depending on who you talk to, either ended sometime in the 70s uh, or never ended, and the current pan cholera pandemic is still ongoing. Um, and do you remember, do you remember when we talked about conspiracy theories around a modern cholera outbreak a few years ago? Very vaguely. Very came vaguely. Up, came up as a, it was a news article we mentioned back in episode 94, um, which I thought we, might be interesting to recap. So... Uh, in 2010 and 2011, there was a big cholera outbreak in Haiti, which I don't think had experienced cholera up until that point. Um, so it swept across the whole country, and it looked a lot like it originated, uh, was brought into the country at a um, UN peacekeeping base that had recently been set up there, uh, sort of tracing the cases back. It looked like those were, those were the earliest ones were, and it seemed to have been a strain of cholera that um, came from Nepal, and some of the peacekeeping staff had recently been in Nepal. So it certainly looked like uh, the, the outbreak was due to this, this UN peacekeeping base, but the CDC in America would never officially announce uh, the, the, the source, the cause of the outbreak. Um, they, it's listed to this day, I believe, as unconfirmed. Um, and it's thought that this was because the Obama administration at the time uh, basically lent on them to not officially rule that it was the UN's fault because they didn't want to set a precedent of UN peacekeeping forces being found liable of things like that, because of course the US has peacekeeping forces around the world and they didn't want them to be found liable of, of similar things. Um, the interesting thing was that, I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time when we talked about it, um, at the, the CDC museum in their headquarters, wherever that is, um, had, a, had an interesting, um, interesting display in their museum where they had a map of the outbreak of the cholera epidemic in Haiti showing the various cases. And then right next to that, they sort of had as the history of cholera, the famous map made by John Snow of the cholera outbreak in London. 
Um, and people sort of thought this might have been a bit of a bit of a coded message from the CDC. They're sort of like, right, we're not going to officially say where the outbreak in Haiti started, but but by the way, um, here's this Jon Snow thing, which shows how you can pinpoint the source of an epidemic by looking at all the cases. And um, here's a map of all the cases in Haiti. Just gonna just gonna leave the two there side by side. Make Makes, you think. Well, so. Makes you think. Makes you think. The museum so just thought... is just asking questions, Josh. It's just asking mm. questions. Mm. So yeah, so, so people did think that maybe this was them saying, look, we're not allowed to say that it, it, was, it came from the UN peacekeeping base, but here's enough evidence that anyone can see it did. Um, but yes, no, it was 1854 uh, that Jon Snow f- um, made, made his discovery. He'd been studying cholera in England between 1849 and 1854. Um, and yeah, he basically, as I'm sure we've talked about this before, he... he um, up, up until that point, the miasma theory of disease was the was was the dominant one. The idea that diseases were spread basically by bad smells, which I, it's not a silly idea, I suppose. If you if well, I mean, it's, just, you know, it's a classic case of confusing correlation with causation, in that often where there were diseased areas, there were bad smells due to the consequences of disease, and it was then easy to go. Well, people go into those. I- Areas they fall ill because they they breathed in the miasma, and then they fall ill causing miasma where they are. So ipso facto, it's the smell which transmits the disease. And John Snow went, no, 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 no. He had completely different ideas. Mm. Yes, I mean, in a lot of cases, the miasma theory did well. It's like you know, yeah, get your get your rotten food and your decomposing bodies and everything away where we can't smell them. But unfortunately, in cases like cholera, which is spread by human waste and contaminated water supplies, often it'd be like, right, we have all this feces uh, that stinks. We can't have that around. So if we dump it all into the Thames, it'll be underwater and we won't be able to smell it. So it'll be un- but and and then end up contaminating water supplies. But um, actually, so, so on yes, the John, on the miasma thing. So do you know do you know why plague doctors didn't tend to uh, succumb to the plague? Because they wore those cool long masks. N- well, no. So like a crow. so it was thought that it was the masks with the posies inside. So the reason why they had those long beaked masks was they could have a nice smelling posy near their nose to get rid of the miasma. But the other thing plague doctors wore were full-length leather robes that basically meant that mites and microbes had a hell of a time actually Mm. getting anywhere near their skin. They were essentially wearing environmental protection suits whenever they went in to treat patients. So everyone assumed it was the masks that was doing the job. But actually what was doing the job was the leather gimp outfit every doctor chose Mm. to wear. But yes, then then old Jon Snow... um made his famous map of cases in an area of London and was able to pinpoint that the sort of the, the epicenter of it or whatever you call it was um, was this uh, a water pump. Um, apparently a woman had been uh, disposing of, of the soiled nappies of, a, of, a, of an infected child uh, and next to where it had leached into the water, so whatever it was. Uh, the story always goes that, so, you know, he, he saved, he... he um, stopped the epidemic by simply taking the handle off of the water pump, although apparently that's just a story, and that, it didn't quite happen like that. But he basically said, okay, so it's it's not the air, it's the water. It's, it's in the water is, is how it's spreading. And then because microscopes were a thing back then, people would say, you know, so we, we were aware of these microscopic organisms that live in the water, 
and then eventually we're able to figure out, okay, yeah, it's these it's these tiny things in the water is what's carrying the disease. And of course, um, the the confounding thing about cholera is that the best curative for cholera is drinking uncontaminated mm. water because they knew that if someone had cholera you could basically get rid of it if they drank a lot of water apart from the few cases where they continue to drink water and then die and because yeah it turns out the microscopic organisms in the water are doing an awful lot of the work there you get you give mm. them uncontaminated water and they're fine but if you keep giving them the contaminated water it kind of yep. kills them Yes, you know that, that's that's how it kills you. Basically, through dehydration. I I didn't realize you can uh, you can turn blue from cholera. You you get so dehydrated that your blood thickens and is unable to carry oxygen. Um, so it is it is nasty stuff. Um, an interesting little side note: uh, climate, climate, and climate change can be a big factor in cholera outbreaks. Um, and indeed, it seems like the reason why this all started in the first place. I said the first pandemic started around 1817. 1815 was the year of the Tambora eruption in Indonesia, um, which they said was the most powerful volcanic eruption in recorded human history, which I thought was Krakatoa, but I guess I'm getting that wrong. But at any rate, it, it Krakatoa stuff gets, the the, gets the best press. I mean, the PR it agents yeah, it's got, for Krakatoa had the best PR amazing. people, I think. But apparently the Tambora eruption blasted enough stuff into the atmosphere that it changed the global climate. 1816 was referred to as the year without a summer. Um, and in 1816 and 1817, there was unseasonal, um, sort of weird weather and unseasonal storms and unseasonal flooding in Bengal. Uh, so, you know, flooding equals contaminated water equals um, cholera outbreaks. So that's, that's how it seems to have all got started. But anyway, none of this has been overtly conspiratorial so far, except for the Haiti stuff that we talked about before. Uh, where it gets interesting for our purposes is when we talk about the public reaction to a lot of this. So cholera riots were a thing. They um, were, were a, a sort of a documented phenomena throughout these outbreaks. Um, when, when I've read about them, they've only talked about riots in Russia and riots in the United Kingdom. Um, I, I assume there must have been some in other countries, but uh, these were the ones that everyone seems to talk about. Um, so li like I said, Russia got hit pretty hard by cholera. And um, <clears throat> riots in Russia started in the 1820s and 30s and, and pretty much continued all the way through the various waves of the pandemic. And they tended to take the form of sort of your, your, your working class revolts, working class uprisings. Um, and because the, there did seem to be a, quite a sort of a political dimension to it, more so even than, say, like, I haven't read about this sort of stuff happening with, say, the flu epidemic in, in the early 1900s. I, I'm sure there would have been resistance to a lot of measures, but the, the, the level of rioting doesn't seem to be what's described here. And it's, there, there seems to be a lot of sort of class warfare, because obviously um, cholera is spread by, by sort of dirty living conditions, which are, and the, the, the poor and the lower classes are the ones who are forced to live in dirtier conditions, therefore cholera hits them hardest. And so then you get the sort of the class warfare where the, the upper classes will say, oh, it's those dirty poor people. The, it's, it's all their fault the disease is spreading. And, and then the lower classes are like, no, it's not our fault. And it's you're the ones who are making life difficult for us and so on and so forth. So um, in, in Russia and in, uh, in particular at the start of things, people would look at, 
efforts that the state made, things like quarantines and um, armed cordons to stop people moving between regions to um, stop the spread of the of the disease. They all people looked at this as, as just being sort of a plot to repress the poor, to the extent that in some cases um, rumors would spread that this, the disease had been unleashed on purpose. To, to sort of as, as a bit of population control, those population control conspiracy theories were were still, were going back then. The idea that you know the poor, um, fewer poor people means uh, less less money required in whatever sort of state welfare and so on was around then, and so there was this this sort of sort of class warfare, um, population control type type conspiracy theories, which resulted in in fairly major riots. Um, so one of the most notorious ones uh, that I've seen written about in a bunch of places happened in St. Petersburg in 1831. Um, demonstrators gathered in uh, Senaya Square, um, rioted, sacked the main cholera hospital, uh, and went as far as murdering several of the doctors inside. Uh, so I got this from a paper, The St. Petersburg Cholera Riot of 1831, Water Pollution and Social Tension, by Alexei Krakowski, published in Arcadia 2013. In his abstract, he says, As protests turned into riot, the inflamed crowd started to sack the city's main cholera hospital, beat the market sanitary inspectors whom they accused of having spread the disease, and called for the death of all doctors in the city whom they blamed for having poisoned the poor's wells. The administration was forced to send in military troops, however the riot was only halted when Tsar Nicholas I appeared in the market square and ordered the crowd to fall on their knees and take their hats off in deference to him. Nicholas would later consider the suppression of the cholera riot to be one of the most important episodes of his life. Well, I mean, they all bowed down before him. It must have been a very... Yes, I, I will stop the riot nice just, by, yeah. just by walking... Bow down, peasants! I mean, there was probably the threat of violence behind it, which if you don't bow down, you do realise you're going to well, get yes. shot. Yes, the army was there. So, and um, in other countries, people sort of saw what was happening in Russia and uh, saw discontent and, and sort of tried to not go the way Russia went. In particular, people were people in other countries were worried about again this sort of working class revolt. We don't want we don't want the poor's getting all up in arms and and, and upsetting the apple cart. Um, which is why in, in the UK, um, where there were nevertheless a whole lot of riots, um, 72 riots, according to one thing I read, were were, were known of. <clears throat> to begin with, apparently uh, the politicians, when discussing, when, when coming up with responses to the disease, uh, completely ignored the doctors. Um, and then when things were going well, started to listen to the doctors. And then when things were going well, basically shoved the doctors to the front. Said, yeah, you, you guys you guys tell everyone what to do. We'll listen to you. And you you tell all the people what they should be doing. And basically let the doctors take the brunt of most of the, um, the public's ire because they were afraid that... If, if, if the state stepped in, and especially if you know they started bringing in the army and stuff, then things would go the way of Russia. Whereas instead, um, they merely they merely went after a whole bunch of doctors and smashed up hospitals and stuff. Um, interestingly, we know apparently we know exactly when cholera entered the UK. Um, there was a ship from Russia went into I didn't write it down. I think it was Liverpool. Um, and people were like, should this be quarantined? But no, the local local industry, local businesses were like, no, 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 we need the stuff on that ship so that our businesses can continue to make money, so let that ship in. And cholera came with it. Um, shades of uh, Samoa during the, 
during the flu um, epidemic in the early 1900s. There was one particular ship there that was like, this really should be quarantined, but the governor, uh, a British guy, said, no, 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 it'll be fine, let them in. Uh, long story short, 20% of Samoa died. So, yeah, anyway, Almost back to cholera. Think that so, economists don't make good epidemiologists. You'd almost think you might, that, wouldn't you? You'd almost you might think, think that. It. You might yeah. think that. Now, an interesting complication in the UK. So, like I said, um, so it arrived in in um, cholera arrived in England, sort of the early eighteen thirties, around there. Um, now, as it happened in um, eighteen twenty eight, there had been the widely publicised Burke and Hare murders, which I'm assuming you've heard of. I know my Birkin here. Mm, tell us a bit about Birkin here, then. Well, they were grave robbers, weren't they? Mm, oh, they were worse than grave robbers. Well, they well, were no, murderers. right, yeah. So, yeah. So I was going to go. So they they started off as mere grave robbers because there had been for a long period of time a prohibition on using cadavers in medical research, which meant there was kind of a black market of if people wanted to kind of practice their surgery skills or get to know bodies better, to be better doctors, you kind of had to either do what they did in vast parts of Europe, which was basically work on pigs, which were taken to be the closest analogue to the human being. So the hypothesis of the other white meat goes back a long time. Or get a grave robber to get a recently deceased person, drag them to your table, and then you could practice your surgery skills upon them. And this was a kind of a loud thing. People knew grave what were they robbing was resurrection, yeah, resurrection men or something. Yeah. So it was kind of allowed in that you kind of wanted doctors to practice on human bodies rather than pigs if they were your doctor. But Burke and Hare, they worked out that actually the number of fresh corpses which are useful for a doctor to practice their cadaver skills on, fairly limited. It'd be much better if there was a, a bigger pool of recently deceased people of the type that doctors wanted. Because doctors wanted old people and young people. They wanted men. They wanted they wanted women. And what they typically didn't want were people who had died in the advanced stages of disease. They wanted fresh bodies that they could look at. And Birkin Hare provided. And they provided by going, you know, what's the quickest way to the grave? Spot of the old murder. So Birkin here would just start killing people willy-nilly to satisfy the backlog of orders they had. They sure did. Yeah, I don't know if they I don't know if they robbed any graves as such. The story I read it started um, one of them had a lodger who died of of natural causes, and they're like, Oh, what are we gonna do with this dead guy? Well, we could sell him to a doctor, I suppose, and then oh Turns out there's money in selling corpses to doctors. How can we get our hands on some more corpses? And yes, as you as you say, yeah, I, so, uh, I've always assumed they started off as I'll put in scare quotes legitimate grave robbers, and then mm. moved on to the more illegitimate activity yeah. of m- m- murder. But yes, you may well be right. They may well have done one one partial sale of a recently deceased person they didn't actually kill, and then went oh. Uh, that was good 
money, we should Good do money. this again. Yeah. But I don't know that many people who have died recently. But I do know people who could die very soon. Mm. Yeah, so 16 people apparently they were charged with killing. And so, like I said, this was 1828. So when cholera came around, this this was a you know, massive, massive case, widely publicised. And this was fresh in people's minds when um, a whole lot of people started dying of this new disease. Um, and so uh, you started getting riots against the medical establishment, and these would be accompanied by conspiracy theories that cholera had been started basically as a body snatching scheme, that doctors were deliberately spreading this disease so they would have a nice supply of corpses to use in their um use in, use for their anatomy lectures. Um, a, a lot in Scotland, because uh, so the Birkenhair murders were in Edinburgh, uh, Birkenhair was selling their corpses to a Dr. Robert Knox, um, who gave anatomy lectures and dissected corpses, corpses as part of them. Um, so in 1831 in Aberdeen, Boxing Day 1831, there was a riot um, in Aberdeen, uh, Birkin here had become sort of so well known that that birking was was had become a verb. Birking not, you know, is a verb to mean sort of grey brown or supply. Interesting. Okay, so not, not hearing. Like, no, yeah. unfortunately, birk. You can birk, you know, birk, but you can't. But you can't hear. No. Yeah, and actually, and, I, and, I should I should point out. I I mean, when I talked about the example, I talked about grave robbing supplying a black market of corpses. Of course, they were legitimate cadaver mm. di dissections going on, but there was also a substantial black market of doctors who wanted bodies to practice on. Yeah, and practice, that was a yeah. tightly controlled market. Mm. So yeah, apparently the crowds shouted down with the Birking shop, referring to the to the hospital as you know, saying claiming this was just the place where they're where they're snatching bodies. Um, so there was a big right now, but according to Wikipedia uh, three men were brought to trial for riotous behaviour and sentenced to jail in Aberdeen for 12 months, with the judge placing the blame on the medical profession for its gross negligence in dealing with the disease. So sort of right from the start, people were, were, were blaming the doctors, I think, at not doing a better job of stopping this disease uh, when they weren't outright blaming them for it. Um, so moving around the British Isles um, in Liverpool, uh, apparently there were more, more riots in Liverpool than anywhere else. Uh, what do we have between 29th of May and 10th of June 1832, eight major street riots occurred uh, with other smaller ones, and usually they were um, aimed at the, the medical establishment. Um, so the, 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 there was a, a perception among the public that cholera victims um, were being taken were being taken to the hospital so that doctors could kill them and then use them for anatomical dissections. They said, yeah, in Liverpool as well, people shouted, bring out the burkers. Um, and all, uh, apparently um, there had been other cases uh, 1826 33 bodies had been discovered on the Liverpool docks about to be shipped off for dissection another surgeon William Gill had been found of using a this is your, your black market grave robbing stuff so it had happened a bunch and that was definitely on people's minds when a whole lot of extra deaths happened to be happening um, and yeah, so the theme we see all the way through this is, is doctors really bore the brunt of the public's displeasure, especially in the British Isles. And it seems like the state didn't mind as much as they might have if they'd been sort of um, raving against the authorities in general. Um, so yeah, turning to, 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 to get back to the main conspiracy theory 
uh, theme. Um, there were a bunch of them in Glasgow. People believe that the epidemic measure was um, much like in in Russia was a, a bit of a population control. There were rumours that um, that the the cholera had been introduced to deliberately sort of weed out the weaker members of the herd to make the working classes more productive. Um, also in Glasgow, a doctor was chased through the streets and and pelted with with various projectiles uh, by quote an immense crowd of mothers specifically, who believe this doctor had buried a 14-year-old alive. I'm not quite sure what that has to do with cholera, but that's what people said. Um, crowd in Edinburgh chanted, kill the doctors. Um, in this case, they weren't... Uh, th this this was, uh, again, drawing parallels today, to, to events today, wasn't so much out of a particular conspiracy theory, but they were angry that um, over the loss of funeral rights for their family members, the, they, they restricted how you were able to... to um, throw funerals for people because their corpses were uh, still infectious. Um, and uh, there was there was even a uh, sort of financial angle to some of the conspiracy theories. Um, we have records from a doctor in the town of Ballyshannon in Ireland um, who was harassed by crowds, and according to him, the crowds believed that he was to be given 10 guineas a day for spreading the cholera epidemic and that he, he would be given five pounds for every person he killed and had been instructed to poison people without mercy. There's quite a lot of similarity with theories we're hearing around COVID-19, isn't there? With the idea that doctors are being paid to overinflate numbers, doctors are being paid to diagnose people with particular maladies, doctors are being paid to make people just disappear by marking down a COVID death. It seems, it seems like this is history repeating? Well, yeah, it's, it's surprising how few new ideas there are. Um, and then a, a final angle to all of this, when people weren't rioting and, um, and uh, blaming doctors for all the death and disease, before um, events got too bad in certain places, you got a bit of, a bit of cholera denialism as well. Um, the term cholera humbug apparently was widely... Uh, this, it sounds like this was more of an American thing, I think probably before cholera arrived in America that widely. Um, but uh, the New York Times apparently published an anonymous letter which um, accused doctors of being paid 20 guineas a day to whip up, quote, cholera-phobia. So in this case, we have again conspiracy theories around the idea that that cholera is not that not that big of a deal and people are in fact being paid to to whip it up to to make it sound much worse than it is again i assume basically with the same sort of angles that you see um today that people want people people saying oh the state or the the medical um establishment or whatever want you to believe that this disease is a big horrible thing so that we all you'll be good little citizens and do everything they say so all in all, um, it is yeah quite surprising to see uh, just how how similar the sorts of things people said about cholera are to the sorts of things people say about COVID today. Although, as far as I'm aware, the protests around the world have been less full on rioty and more sort of civil disobedience, general dickishness, I suppose. Although that actually does make an interesting point, because people talk about, oh, you know, we're in an unprecedented health crisis now. Look at the riots we're getting, as in the protests in Canada, the attempted protest in France, the protest back home. Now, this is a terrible thing we've never seen before. And yet just a cursory glance at history goes, actually, 
But it could be worse. They could be dragging doctors from their homes and killing them, which admittedly could start to happen very soon, given things going on back home. But, yeah, it's not Mm. as if this is a new type of crisis that we're seeing here. And in fact, it seems that we might be, and I mean, this is a weird thing to say, we might be treating the COVID-19 stuff more sensibly than people treated things like cholera in the past. Mm. Which is a weird thing to say, but at the same time. Well, yeah. Yes, more sensible is a, is a highly relative term, but yes, I yeah, think you're right. Yeah. Um, yes, like I said, it's, I, I didn't actually, I haven't, because I decided I'd, I heard about these cholera riots and it would be an interesting thing to look into, I didn't really do any research into the, the um, Spanish flu pandemic, because I'd be interested to see if there are similar things there, but... Um, the people, I, I, I certainly, I mean, for instance, I have not read anything about cholera rights and for them to say, and of course, similar things happened during the Spanish flu. Um, so I it, it doesn't sound like things got as bad in that particular pandemic. Although, as I said, there's, uh, I think Spanish flu was spread more widely and was less uh, uh, discriminating in, in terms of, of, of class uh Different, different sort of social strata being affected, and, and there was also and, a war going on. Mm, yeah, and and of course, and and especially in the UK, had the misfortune of all this happening when there was a lot of a lot of possibly paranoia within society around the the, the dodgy things doctors get up to in terms of um, of swiping corpses and and doing illicit things. Um, and that basically uh, brings you to the end of my tale of the cholera riots. An interesting, with, interesting with little slice of history. Nary a mention of the zoot suit riots, which I was I was just waiting for a zoot suit riots reference. Well, they they may have happened during maybe the fifth or sixth cholera pandemic, but I didn't really get that far. Is that when Napoleon Napoleon came back to control France? I don't, remember which. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they basically these you know, cholera was a thing for pretty much the entirety of the of the nineteenth century and well into the twentieth. So, I was making a joke about whichever glorious French Revolution it was that was bifurcated by Napoleon. Go, by the way, I'm emperor again, but said in a much more French accent. Mm, mm. As you know, I can only do a Belgian accent. No, obviously, yes. No, you've 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 um, proven that time and time again, uh, and that's that's basically all I had to say uh, in this episode of what the conspiracy and what the conspiracy it was. Well done, Joshua. Mm. Well done. To quote Indeed. the Blade Runner, you've done a man's job. Excellent. Um, so I suppose we'll be wanting to record a bonus episode then. We, we will that? indeed. And in that bonus episode, well, we've got breaking news with respect to what's going on in the Ukraine. News which is liable to be very inaccurate by the time we actually edit the podcast yes. and upload yes, so it. Fast the, problem with, yeah, the problem with breaking news is that the very second you've posted... I bet actually there was a tweet earlier today was people saying, look... Unless the news is several hours old and has been confirmed by multiple sources, please don't spread news about what's going on in the Ukraine at the moment because emerging situations means a lot of misinformation is out there Mm. and it's probably not helping people in the Ukraine to be reading about things that may not possibly be true. 
Anyway, in our other bonus content, we've got actually another reference to a previous episode of What the Conspiracy concerning Bernie Madoff's sister and her husband being found dead. That sounds interesting. Uh, We're going to reconfirm who Q was at some stage during Q's lifespan. We're going to refer back to the previous episode where we had a brief mention of the Italian philosopher Agamben. He's been up to no good. And we'll also, as noted, talk about the Ukraine. And mm. yeah. Yeah. And yes, probably probably won't have much uh, uh, light, witty material there, but uh, needs to be no. talked about. No, no. Um, so that's all we have today. Uh, I see in our notes you have something about next week. What? Uh... So I was going to suggest that we watch a two-part documentary about how the Christchurch shootings were a false flag. Now, I am told that in one of the parts, there is a brief clip of the actual video shot by the terrorists in the mosque. So it's a documentary which contains an element of snuff within it. So I was going to broach the, do we want to watch this? And also, if we do want to watch this, do you want me to tell you what the timestamp is so you can skip over that? Uh, are um, we allowed to watch this? I mean, well, I so there, so, yeah, so therein, therein lies the issue. So between putting that note in the Google Doc and us having this podcast, I've been informed it's very likely that David Shanks, the chief censor of Aotearoa New, Ze- New Zealand, is going to classify the document as, so the video, as one that you need special permission to watch. So that would, that would mean that you couldn't watch it without breaking the law. I, of course, living outside of Aotearoa New, Ze- New Zealand, would not be affected by David Shanks' decision. Also, David Shanks knows that I have watched the original terrorist video anyway, because as part of my research at the time that the massacre occurred, I watched the video in question to verify some of the conspiracy theories, at least to point out that some of the conspiracy theories were bad, on the off chance that maybe they became narratives in the mainstream media. Luckily, they never did, but I've seen I've seen the entire snuff video shot by the terrorist, which means that once I never want to revisit it, I could watch a bit of a documentary, work out the timestamps, and then tell you, Josh, don't watch from this bit to that bit. There's a snuff film there. But at this stage, you would not be able to watch it if David Shanks is going to classify the document. I could watch it over the weekend, and we could make that the topic of next week's episode where you ask me questions about the documentary, and I talk through it. But my original plan of you also watching it is probably not going to work out unless you're really keen on breaking the law. I'm not particularly keen on breaking the law, nor am I particularly keen on seeing any of that video content. So yes, maybe, maybe we'd best... Not, or if you feel like doing it, then yeah, we can do an episode My next week where you talk is, us through the documentary. Is it's an hour and a half long. Mm. And who's got that kind of time for that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, technically it is my job to study these things, so technically I do have the time. It's just whether I've got the inclination to watch a video on a topic which I'm going, but wasn't a false flag. 
it just wasn't a false flag. Mm. Oh well, maybe we'll 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 get back to you, listeners. Probably next week when you listen to next week's episode and see what the um, topic of it is. So until then, I believe we are done. Um, I should do the usual spiel of, of, of how, if you want to hear that bonus episode that we just talked about, uh, you'll need to be a patron. So if you are one, good for you. If you're not one, go to patreon.com and search for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy, and then you can become one. Um, and if you don't want to become one anyway, but you've made it to the end of this episode, well, thanks for listening. Um, you're, you're our audience, and that is also nice and special. So... My voice is starting to go a bit wobbly, which means I probably need to go and get a drink of water. And so actually, sorry, actually, I almost forgot to say right at the start when I said nothing horrible happened to me last Friday. Earlier, I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to um, record this episode because at the start of this week, I had some sort of a weird throat infection thing and lost my voice for a couple of days. So up until yesterday, I wasn't actually capable of speaking uh, like this at all, let alone for uh, uh, 50 odd minutes of podcast recording. So everything worked out OK there. Yay for Josh's biology. Yeah, but I think I need to go and have a good glass of water to refresh my vocal cords, and then we can get on with the bonus episode. So until then, I'm just going to go and say goodbye. And I'm just going to go... Beep! Beep! As well you might. You've been listening to Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, hosted by Josh Addison and M. Dentith. If you'd like to help support us, please find details of our pledge drive at either Patreon or Podbean. If you'd like to get in contact with us, email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com. <laughs>